When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bruins take a 2-1 series lead over the Panthers. They bounce back with a very solid 60-minute effort in Sunrise. They win 4-2. Uh, there was a ton of speculation um, Friday morning about what lineup the Bruins are going to ice with certain guys not making the trip, certain guys battling injury. It was an absolute blender of line combinations at morning skate. And then there were more surprises when Puck dropped because Lena Solmark ended up starting when the thought was Jeremy Swayman. And... David Krejci is a last-minute scratch, so the Bruins win this game technically without their top two centers in the lineup, and they kind of got back to that lunch pail mentality and were able to take a take a series lead. Yeah, they're fucking with us. They're fucking with us because they after, in, in the post-game, Montgomery said he was pretty sure Krejci wasn't going to play, yet went through all the, the morning practice uh was on lines with people the lines were based off of him being in there but he i'm pretty sure they knew he was most likely not gonna play um Ulmerk, that's the question that i don't know um game time decision usually indicates an injury and i think last podcast we all agreed that he probably wasn't 100 percent um even though he was still good enough to go he maybe was at 90, 95%, 100%. And I think that's where he was ahead of Friday's game as well. Um, but the gamesmanship continues. And it's it's like we go, <laughs> we talk about the information we have and we do the best with the information that we have. But a lot of it has been smoke and mirrors in the playoffs. And, um, you know, Bergeron, the, the big news this morning um, from before the game was that Bergeron did not travel to Florida. He won't play three and four if you read between the lines and that there that he is quote likely for game five. Um, but I still I I still don't know if I believe that after all the stuff that we've heard. And I also want to say before we get into the game, because the Bergeron stuff happened before, um, I am more and more convinced that it is a head injury with him and the the lack of travel, um, you know, you're not supposed to travel with a concussion. Um, Montgomery saying it's something that Bergeron dealt with before, after the Montreal game. Bergeron has dealt with several concussions before. Um, and, you know, saying he knows how to deal with it. And we all can recall that horrible hit to Bergeron that knocked him out. The the biggest concussion of his career where he had to get taken off the ice. Um and the more I think about it, the more I think that his upper body injury has to do with a head injury. Um, and, you know, the timeline kind of checks out, too, because with a concussion, two weeks, you can come back usually. And also with the information that he wants to play, and I'm sure the team wants to get him back in there, but you have to get cleared in order to play with, after a concussion. So there's a, a lack of clearance that he's getting it. That's my speculation. That's not based off of um, hearing anything from anyone. But I think just the more things are said, 
the more it makes sense that it's a head injury to me. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, you guys can uh, react to that if you want. And Scott, you brought this up last podcast, actually, that um, if he doesn't travel, maybe it's a back or head injury. And, and I, I was saying, oh, why wouldn't he travel? Well, that was one of the main reasons why he wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, he's dealt with a lot of upper body injuries, so it could really be any of a number of things. That is certainly one possibility. We also know he's had, you know, he had elbow surgery a couple of years ago. You know, that's another rumor that's popped up. He's had a sports hernia before. That would qual, you know, depending like that would qualify as upper body. So there's a bunch of different things. He's you know had rib injuries. Like there's so many things it could be, and we. That's not really the main thing that indicated to me that it was, you know, like what it was like, obviously he could have traveled if it was one of those other things and he could have been there in the room, which would make sense if he wanted to be there in the room. And there's reporting after the game that he was texting Chris Kelly, what he thought should be changing and X's and O's and different things in between periods. So it would make sense that he traveled, even if he wasn't going to play, if he was okay to get on a flight which you're not if you have a concussion. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. I, I don't really do speculation, and I don't I don't know anything. So um, it's certainly as likely as anything else, I think. But, um, you know, we're not going to know until, until or unless someone tells us. Maybe Bergeron will say once he returns, but, you know, no, sometimes there's guys no way he's do. Gonna say that they're not going to say. I mean, I, what we all we know for sure is that Montgomery said it's likely he'll be back for game five. I mean, n- none of us here know exactly what, what the issue is, so we'll just have to leave it at that for now because we can just talk in circles about what it could be. Yeah. All we well, know and is we that. Also, and we also know that Montgomery's prognosis have not always been accurate. So mm-hmm. like Bridget said, you know, you kind of have to take everything with, with a grain of salt at this point because he, you know, they've told us that, oh, it's just precautionary and then a guy's out a week plus and – you know, or it's more serious and guy returns quicker. And it's, that's what you get, especially come playoffs is no one divulges any actual information when it comes to injuries. So all we can really do is guess, but you know, at least they are still saying he's day to day and game five likely. So I I guess you can say like, it at least seems like it's not going to be a long-term thing. Um, and you know he'll probably probably be back at some point during this series, but uh, and then as far as Krejci, uh, Montgomery said after the game that he's fifty fifty for Game Four. I I do think that it was it was pretty much a real game time decision because you know Montgomery said they had an idea that he might be out, but the initial roster on the the official NHL dot com roster report had Krejci in and Felino out, and that's like. 15 minutes before the game and then it changed like literally five minutes before puck drops. So I think even if they knew that crazy was truly questionable, um, I think the decision to actually sit him was like, was pretty last minute. So, you know, see what happens there, but getting, just getting to the game, like an incredible effort for the Bruins to step up and win without those two, you know, all year it's like, those two returning and playing on their, the salaries that they're playing on and, you know, still having really good seasons. It's like, 
uh, that's been such a huge part of why this team was so good all year. And now both of them are out and just an awesome job by the whole team stepping up. You know, they get out of that first period up one, nothing. And I didn't think they had a great first period. And I was kind of thinking like, all right, this is one you're just going to have to win ugly. Like just, just find a way who cares what it looks like. And instead they go out and they dominate the second period and get up two nothing. That was their best period of the series. And then add two more in the third to go up four. Like it's, it was a really impressive effort. I thought Coyle stepping in between Marsha and DeBrusque had another awesome game. He's been arguably their best player of the series. Uh, Zaka back between Bertuzzi and Pasenak. I thought that looks better. Uh, Pasenak gets a goal. Um, you know, just Felino gets into the lineup last minute after looking like a healthy scratch and he scores and plays on a line with Frederick and Hall that, that looked pretty good. Like it, it was just, just up and down guys, just stepping up Dmitry Orlov with two great assists, Grizzly with some good plays breaking out, like just, just an all around impressive effort. Yeah. And I thought that uh, one individual set the tone right off the bat and that was Charlie McAvoy. And, you know, we talked about how after game two, it wasn't, it wasn't his greatest greatest effort and he he would be the first to admit it and then uh, literally off the opening face off he stepped up I think it was on um, Lundell but it was just a it, or maybe uh, maybe it was one of those Finnish guys but uh, just a, a great hit to to, uh, to start the game and that was that was a microcosm of uh, the the 59 minutes to and to to unfold for him he was an absolute um, you know force out there tonight he was hitting everything in sight playing very physical and just really set the tone off the bat so um, when that's, when that happens in the first 10 seconds of the game, you could just tell that the Bruins were very, very ready, um, to kind of silence a lot of the, the critics over the last 24 hours. I mean, they, they lose their first playoff game, one, one series. And I mean, all the headlines out there and about the president's trophy curse and the Bruins choking. It's like, what are we, what are we talking about here? None of us here thought they played well in game two, obviously, and they weren't great in game one, but it was just there was a lot of hysteria over the first loss. And, and like I said, lunch pill mentality, they, they played a lot without Bergeron and Krejci down the stretch. So this group was kind of used to, to those guys not necessarily being there in recent weeks. And I think that was probably a reason why they weren't so panicky, but um, yeah, the future of those two guys in the lineup is uneasy right now, but a uh, huge win for them to at least at the very least now leave Florida very least two two. There's no. There's going to be no threat of going down three to one. No, just they alleviated a lot of potential headaches by getting this win right out of the uh, out of the way. Yeah, and I would say that the quote unquote hysteria that was going on this morning, Friday morning, was and and among us and maybe among other people that follow the team really closely, didn't have to do necessarily with thinking they were going to go down in the series for sure, or that Florida had a, like a specific advantage with Bergeron out. It had to do with all of the question marks. And that is why it's been like, I think that's why probably the Bruins are the most interesting team in town right now. Um, Celtics lost today, by the way. So their series is, they're not sweeping. Uh, It's two to one with Atlanta, but um, the Bruins were the more interesting game of the three games. It's the Celtics played, the Red Sox played, because there were so many question marks. And 
there was turned out to be another one that we didn't even know was coming with Krejci. So it was who's going to play in net? Who? What are the lines going to look like? Um, is Montgomery doing too much? Is he changing the lines too much? You know, um, how's the back end going to respond? What's the defense going to look like? Like it was just there was so many question marks ahead of the game. That is what the the panic, I guess you could say, was about. And I don't think it was necessarily that people thought they were going to lose but when you look at the lines the way that they came out in in warm-ups or or morning skate I should say some of these lines are lines that they have never had before so uh, it's kind of warranted to question and to talk about and to have that be a, a topic of conversation with all the different things that you know it's not their optimal lineup that's just a fact um they put it out there and that line with Coyle, that that top line with Coyle in the middle worked. And that's because Charlie Coyle, like a few of his teammates said, played like a beast. And um, he has had a very solid series. And I will say Taylor Hall had another good game as well. So uh, the question marks remain uh, after, after the game um, because we still don't really know the answer to what Krejci's upper body injury is, um, even though... I just speculated about what Bergeron's could be. We don't really know. Um, and why was Allmark a game time decision? So <laughs> we still have all this intrigue going into it. Um, and I know I really just kind of avoided talking about the actual game. So I'll get into that real quick at the risk of talking for too long. Um, first period, I thought they got outplayed pretty bad. And I was sitting in my chair going, they're going to lose this game in the first period, even though they, they scored first. Um, they had the lead. I did not think that they had a really good first period. Second period, they outshot Florida 12 to four um, and was a much better period. Like Scott mentioned, maybe their best of the series. Um, and I think I saw someone tweets the, the best of the season. I wouldn't go that far, um, but they looked better there. And then they were able to close it out, even though they gave up two late goals. Uh, they had a four nothing lead and it kind of looked like Allmark was going to get that shutout. Uh, which goes away, but, and I don't think I'm crazy for saying this four to two was probably a better way to end the game because four to nothing, you're looking at another bloodbath, <laughs> like at the end of game two, where the score is out of reach and, and teams know it's out of reach with a few minutes left in the game. It just becomes brawls and apparently chokeouts and <laughs> what have you. And they have to call the game. Like I'm glad it was a two goal game with a few minutes left rather than a four goal game in terms of health, because sometimes that's when guys run at each other, or take cheap shots, whatever. Yeah. And you still saw a little of that, little of that before the Panthers did finally score where, you know, McAvoy throws a clean hit and Barkov just straight up tackles them. And then Montour takes a 10 minute misconduct. Like that. So it, it was kind of starting. And then, yeah, cool, cool down and, uh, you know, no one gets hurt or kicked out or any suspension. What, what is going on with the choking? What's going on with the choking? Can't we get the, the punching was always acceptable, but now all of a sudden we're choking each other. Like Frederick is getting choked by Lomberg in game two. And now Barkov comes over, and tries to choke someone. And I'm just so confused. When did choking become part of what goes on after the whistle? Like we're trying to choke people out now. And that's one of the things well, that maybe they should start reviewing that for, you know, 
you know, supplementary discipline because that's crazy. That, you know, that's dangerous. Well, so someone had to be a pioneer. No one did licking before Marshand either. So, you know, but luckily going to start with someone. I, I don't know. They got to get that under control because we're used to face washes and punching and, and whatever after the whistle. But can we stop choking each other out? Let's stop doing that.